everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hi, I'm Bill Overton. Thank you for listening to Behind the Barrier, Voices from the Negro Leagues. Before we get into our first episode, the producers of this podcast would like to note a few details that help frame the episodes you're about to hear. We are here to celebrate and share the voices and experiences of the players from the Negro Baseball League. As of today, there are only 100 living players from the Negro League era. This is not a historical project meant to tell the complete history of Negro League Baseball, but instead a project to allow the players' voices to be heard on topics that many of them share their thoughts and memories from. Through the incredible work of broadcasting legend Ron Barr and Sports Byline, we were able to access over 50 interviews of Negro League players in the Sports Byline Library. Ron has made it a point to find and interview as many living players as possible for a sports byline radio show. We were lucky enough to go through these interviews and find some common themes from the interviewed players that allow us to hear what topics meant the most to the players themselves in their own voices. We have audio from Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Eugene Scruggs, Russell Patterson, Dennis Biddle, and many more as well as contributions from renowned baseball historian, Professor Leslie Heffy and other authors and historians. We hope you enjoy this series and that it gives you a perspective and some knowledge of one of the greatest sporting leagues in our country's history. Episode one, the church and baseball. The church was central to the development and nurturing of Negro League Baseball. The church, most importantly, offered a safe place for boys and men to gather and play baseball. The church had land and most public park or recreational areas excluded African Americans from using, much less letting a group assemble and play baseball. The churches often had baseball leagues and helped the most qualified players or local teams with funding to continue to play the game of baseball. The church also helped turn baseball games into cultural events, 
The biggest games of the week were on Sundays, and patrons of the church not only dressed up for service, but also dressed up in their Sunday best to go to the games and celebrate. Baseball games were a place to be seen, a place to express yourself, and a place to see the most popular sport in America. Here's Ron Barr from Sports Byline USA, who points out the relationship with the church and baseball. I remember talking to Mudcat Grant one time, and we were talking about the Negro Leagues and the importance of baseball to the black community. And I told him I was driving to the airport in South Florida one time, and I looked over to my right, and there was a little white church out in the middle of a field, and behind it were a group of African Americans, and they were playing baseball. They were in their white shirts. They still had their ties on from church and everything, and that was such a vivid picture in my mind, and he told me about how important it was for black people to be able to have something that they could call their own. And usually you could find a baseball ground uh, right behind the church. I can remember just like uh, we was getting ready to go back there and play right now. And this um, kind of was the beginning of uh, lots of the parent who really wasn't that interested in baseball but it was kind of the beginning of them uh, getting to like baseball, and they saw that um, their kids uh, were stayed out of trouble, the ones that uh, was engaged in, in baseball. So uh, it began to grow just from that, uh, the churches, you know, having um, the space in the back and um, – uh, that enabled us to play, and we had some pretty good. Uh, I remember just a little boy, but we had some good teams back there. That was Negro League pitcher Leo Westbrook recounting his days as a child in the church. Kent State professor Leslie Heffy weighs in on the importance of the role of the church and its support. It's that support side of things, I think. So you have a black church, um, often in some communities particularly smaller communities, being that centerpiece. And so sometimes providing the actual um, monetary support for, for local teams, for kids to get their starts. Um, it was a place where the community went to sort of start their day. Pitcher Eugene Scruggs remembers his days of playing at the church baseball fields. Yeah, we played, uh, we played there growing up and, uh, from, uh, I'd say from like uh, 10 years old all the way up to while we was in school, we played on the same field and we played on the field after we got up and got grown enough to, to, to play um, uh, sandlot ball. Baseball Hall of Fame manager and first baseman Buck O'Neill remembers the rivalries between the churches. During that era, most churches now, this is, this is semi-pro, you know, just all towns had baseball, but they, they had church leagues. They had church leagues, the Methodists against the Baptists. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And one had to get out of the country, right? <laughs> the church in the black community is really... This, and has long been, so it's not unique to the time period you're talking about, the mid-20th century, the centerpiece of many of the Black communities, the place that they turn to for um, both the spiritual side of things, but also um, community and support, right? 
um, so often the only place that historically in this country black communities could turn to were that was the church and so the church you know um, became that place where people found a safe haven a place to find others that they could uh, connect with um, and so it really was and that, that's why the black the black preacher right has played such a central role historically for the black community one of those very often educated individuals who people could turn to for advice and help um, and somebody who understood their experiences in a way, obviously, that going to a white church, even though the religious side is the same, isn't going to get the experiences. Um, the black church was often the place where you not only went to go to church, but you went for meals, you went for um, Bible studies, you went, the church often supported commu other community events, uh, things like that. And so, you know, uh, it was also the place, <laughs> and Kansas City is a good place to see this. Um, we have a lot of discussion in Kansas City of the idea of the Black church being the place, for example, on Sunday, you go to church, and then you leave straight from there to go to the, to go to the baseball park and to watch them. And so it was a chance to dress up. It was a chance to show off. Um, and that was important as well. Weren't necessarily often lots of places to do that. Uh, and so the church certainly uh, played that role. Picture Eugene Scruggs remembers the crowd's attire and likens it to a religious happening. Well, you know, uh, back in the day, that uh, back in the days, the people would always come to Lee church and come to the ball game. They have the hats and and their suits and uh, whatever they had to wear that was all sporty and dressed up. Uh, and they would come out to the game, and you would think you would be um, at a baptism somewhere. <laughs> uh, but but it was, uh, you know, that's the type of, that's how they, he would carry himself back then. He would go to the game and leave church and go come straight to the ballpark. Catcher and relief pitcher Ernest Fan remembers how baseball changed the way that church sermons were delivered. If you look at it from a true, true point of view, that's all we had, baseball. That's all black African American had was baseball. That's the reason it was so important. And then that would pop that on Sunday, the shortest sermon a preacher would preach is when, when it's time to play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball Hall of Fame manager and first baseman Buck O'Neill remembers how baseball was a common ground for social activity. I wanted to know, man, that the, the black culture, that Negro League was, was something. It was actually quite an event. It was not only sports, it was a social event. Uh-huh. And, you know, when, when actually the influx of blacks in uh, World War One, when they first came up to work in the factories, then uh, then they organized the Negro Leagues, and the people played, and then coming up with World War Two, same thing, and uh, actually, Negro League was just about everything, I because just say Washington, D.C., at the the people that's coming up from the South, some of them was more or less, a lot of them was illiterate, coming out off of the cotton fields and all. And in Washington, D.C., the black bourgeois, well, in 
these people couldn't hang with them. So, but they knew baseball. So that was the the Pittsburgh Crawfords, the Homestead Grays, Baltimore Eli Johns, Newark Eagles. Well, they just flocked to these ball games. New York Black Yankees, and oh, it was quite a sight. And you should have seen them. Everybody looked good. It was actually it was it was people getting together. People getting together. It was a social affair, and it wasn't too many places that 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 uh, the black folk could go to enjoy enjoy themselves, other than church, and uh, maybe church and and jazz. So the they just flocked to the baseball park. If you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Now, today we go to a game and we wear our jeans and T-shirts and things and we wear the colors of the team. That wasn't the way most fans went to see a game um, through the 40s, certainly. By the 50s, that starts to change. But everybody dressed up in a way that because it was an event, no matter when you went. Right. It was right. something that you were that was outside the norm. It was something you were paying for. It was something where you and you knew you were going to be seen. And so that's part of it. And you're representing your community. And particularly within the Black community, that idea of representation, I think, is is very significant as well. And so didn't, yes, Sunday maybe added that extra layer to it because you're already going to church. But that was also true on other days as well, particularly if a big team was coming to town, you know, one of the if the Crawfords or the Grays or somebody like that, as opposed to, well, it's just the local community playing. Um, yeah. You're still going to go out and support, but it's not quite the same thing as you want to you want to put it on a good display. You want to make sure that those out of towners know that you are you are supporting your community. You're supporting your boys. Here is pitcher Dennis Biddle, the youngest living Negro League baseball player and president and CEO of yesterday's Negro League baseball players. The organization helps support the surviving members of the Negro League baseball teams to defend their economic interests. 
Dennis remembers when a game was in town, you could leave church early. All you have to do is uh, look at some of the old films, old pictures of the Negro League games. Uh, the games they played on Sundays. If you look at the stands, you will see people with neckties, women had hats on, and you will say, why? Why are they coming to a game all dressed up? They was coming from church. The minister would turn church out early on Sunday so the members could go to church. This happened time and time again. And so on Sundays, as a, as a good example, again, using Kansas City, one of the things that we saw happening was people would go to church, they'd get all dressed up, and the minister knew that the Kansas City Monarchs were going to be in town, for example, this Sunday. Um, and so you weren't going to go over in terms of, because nobody was going to stay and literally wouldn't. And so it affected something as simple as how long is your sermon going to be? Uh, because you knew that everybody was there and expected to head out to join the parade. And it would often lead the players to the game. Um, and so that was not an uncommon so, you know, one Sunday your sermon might be 45 minutes because the monarchs are, and the next Sunday it might be 25 because the monarchs are in town. Um, and often there would be references to the game and to going out there and supporting the team um, appropriately and, and giving that, you know, kind of support to it. Um, and so that's one of the, I think, one of the, the best examples of some of that, as you say, intersection between uh, is just thinking about literally what happened on a Sunday morning and the recognition in Chicago, in Kansas City, in some of the bigger cities that, hey, if your team's in town, that's where everybody is planning on going, so you better not interfere with that. Author and Negro League baseball researcher Ken Perrin discusses the popularity of Negro League baseball. The, the Negro League had a, had a large fan base. Uh, going back to the 30s and 40s, they would get more people to come to their all-star game than the major leagues. It was the third largest black business in the country. People would go to the games. If you look at old video clips, people would be dressed in their Sunday's best at these games. And it was really just a you know great community. Pitcher Eugene Scruggs and author Don Rogerson discuss how not every church community felt the same way about playing baseball on Sundays. Well, in Rima Bottom, uh, that we didn't, uh, uh, you know, my parents, uh, uh, my grandmother and all, uh, they thought it was a sin to play baseball on Sundays. And so we didn't play on Sunday. We uh, we would play on Saturday instead of Sunday. And but it was like up in the uh, up in, way up in the forties before we would start playing uh, on Sunday because that that was something that uh, they think you should go to church on Sunday. There wasn't no baseball back here in Alabama at that time. So there was um, a feeling that uh, in in some of the black churches you don't you don't play ball on Sunday, and of course Sunday was an important day off. So. You get it both ways. For example, Satchel Paige uh, uh, says, you know, his mother never saw him play. She didn't approve of playing on Sunday. And so I, I think it cuts both, both ways. It was an entertainment. You know, in the days before air conditioning particularly and before basketball became big, uh, baseball was everything.
Pitchers Leo Westbrook and Dennis Biddle discuss how the popularity of the new Negro Leagues started to make some changes on Sundays. You know, I was playing with a lot of full-grown men at the age uh, of probably 14 and 15 years old, and they um, would come to, um, I can remember them coming to our home and begging my mother to let us uh, come out and play, and it included playing on Sundays, and my mother rejected that, but they were so uh, uh, insistent that eventually she said, well, uh, as long as you all go to church in the, you know, come to church in the morning, I'll let you play in the afternoon. So that's, you know, that was the breaking point uh, uh, for us. And we were, it was a mixture of um, 13 and 14-year-old kids like myself, my brother and, and others uh, that was playing, like I said, playing with uh, these uh, grown-ups, some of them probably in their 30s or maybe 40s. When I was growing up, the last uh, punishment I got was going to play baseball. The city team offered me 75 cents to pitch for them. They was playing a game, and I was supposed to have been at Sunday school, church. But for 75 cents, I went to the ball game, and I was pitching. When my daddy came in and got me off the field, he took me back to church. Uh, that was an embarrassment to me for my daddy to do that, but I had disobeyed something I was supposed to have done to do what I wanted to do. The next Sunday, I sneaked off. We went to Spring Hill, Louisiana. And I sneaked off and went with the team because uh, I had pitched a couple of innings and I asked my, my 75 cents. They said, you didn't pitch the game. <laughs> so the next time I went to Louisiana and I did get paid, <laughs> my 75 cents. But that was, uh, and my daddy never said anything else to me about playing. Uh, even though I was, you know, I grew up in the church, but knew that was something I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm getting of age now, and uh, he uh, overlooked it. Behind the Barrier, Voices from the Negro Leagues, is narrated by Bill Overton, produced by Taylor Haber, executive producers are Jason Weichelt, Darren Peck, and Ron Barr. Please check out our next episode, as well as the episodes in this series. This series is distributed by Sports Byline USA and the Eight Side Network. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com 
or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.